The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 WCCO or Intercom Communications. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good Sunday. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio. With your hosts, Bruce and me today, we have a special guest host who Bruce will announce momentarily. You can text and call us today on our studio line, 651-989-9226. All week, ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6ADVICE or email them at this email address, yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. Let's kick things off with the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Bruce. Hi, Rashini. Thank you so much. Good to be with you as always. And uh, uh, our uh, our co-host today in, uh, in place of Peg is no stranger to this show if you listen frequently. Ryan McEwen joins us today. Ryan is a, a certified financial planner and a uh, CPA. Uh, he's the uh, uh, senior vice president and financial advisor in our Mankato, Minnesota office. Uh, Ryan has a lot of real uh, impressive accolades on his resume, but one of the big ones is he's a uh, longtime member of the Ed Slot Master Elite IRA Advisor Group, which people that know what that is, it's one of the leading organizations in the country devoted to advanced retirement and account tax uh, taxation knowledge. And to be a part of that group is a big deal in the accounting world. Um, Ryan, I just want to say publicly, I know I've told you before, and I want to tell our listeners, if there's a more proficient technical financial advisor or a better tax guy in this country, I have not met them. Uh, welcome. Thanks for helping us today. Hey, it's great to start off Sunday morning with you guys. Um, so we invited you on because you volunteered to be the resident expert of wealth on the American Rescue Plan. So this was signed into law roughly 10 days ago. Pig and I mentioned last week that uh, it was too new that we couldn't really go into detail, but now we've had a week to really look at this thing. So let's share with listeners what's in here, what does it mean to them, why is it going to be important to them, or isn't it going to be important to them. And let's just help, uh, let's have a discussion and get people a better understanding. Everybody seems to know that it was $1.9 trillion. Everybody's kind of looking at the, the price tag. I don't know if anybody listening really knows what's in there. Well, yeah, and I think it's good that we didn't cover this on the show last week, just because there's lots of information that come out, came out this week, including a big one for all taxpayers, and that the federal tax filing deadline is now May 17th instead of April 15th. So that is something that we want to make sure to take advantage of. However, one thing to make it, you know, for listeners out there, we've got lots of listeners in lots of different states. Not every state has agreed to go along with this new May 17th deadline. Minnesota, where we're doing this show from just announced on Friday, 
that they're going to extend the tax filing deadline to May 17th as well. Now, one catch, there's always a catch with these things, right, is that it does not extend your first quarter estimated tax payments. For, for, so for those of you that make quarterly estimated tax payments, even though you don't have to file and pay your taxes for 2020 until May 17th, 2021, you have to make your first quarter estimated tax payment for 2021 on April 15th. And I know uh, I always look forward to my first quarter estimate. How about you, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's always a party day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I put it on the calendar with balloons and all sorts of fun stuff. <laughs> no, and, and that is important information because, again, that, that affects, you know, literally all of our listeners. Uh, and that was not known uh, last week when we did the show. So that is a good uh, piece of information to share with everybody. Um, so I guess, you know, one of the parts of this, uh, the, the American Rescue Plan that impacts a lot of listeners are stimulus checks. And there's still a lot of confusion about how they work, who gets them, what is it based on. Uh, we had a question on it last week, and even Peg and I knew part of the answer, but I don't know at that time that we knew all of the answer. Now we do. So let's talk a little bit about the, who gets a stimulus, who doesn't, what are the eligibility rules? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's a little going to be a little confusing for this round of recovery rebates, recovery rebate payments are actually the technical term that's being used for these uh, these payments, uh, is that they're a little bit different in terms of who qualifies and what income levels qualify versus the first two payments that came out. And there's even opportunities to do some planning for 2021 if you didn't get a payment this year as well, too. So to cover what is this recovery rebate payment, it's a $1,400 payment that's based on how many, how many people are in your family. And this is a little bit different than prior uh, prior recovery rebate payments in that there's no age limit to get this payment. And that's $1,400 per dependent. So, like, if you're married and you have two children, you and your spouse each get $1,400. Then each of your kids, you get a payment for each of your kids for $1,400. But then the definition of kid changed, uh, you know, or child or qualifying dependent changed. Uh, with this round of stimulus, there's no age requirements. Prior, uh, in the first two rounds of these payments, you had to be under the age of 17, and you couldn't be a college student. You couldn't be a dependent parent. We have some clients who have dependent parents uh, uh, who, they're help- who they're helping provide support for. And so now those people are, if, you're, if you've got a college student in, in, uh, on your tax return, you get a payment for that person instead of not getting a payment. I know that was kind of a, a tough spot because there's a lot of college students that came back home during COVID last year, and that was increasing the amount of expenses for a lot of households last year. And another thing that changed is the income. There was a lot wider gap or phase-out range for the first two payments than there are going to be for these payments. The payment range that just came out for these payments is $150,000 of adjusted gross income to $160,000 of adjusted gross income. The prior recovery payments were a much wider range and it didn't phase out as quickly. Now that's for a married couple filing jointly. Uh, there are different phase out ranges for different uh, uh, different filing statuses, but we'll focus well, on the marrying filing jointly. 
Go ahead, Bruce. Let me see. Let me see if I understand this for and, and give clarity to listeners. So, if I have two kids, two dependents, and I'm married, and each of us get fourteen hundred dollars, that's fifty six hundred dollars, and we get this fifty six hundred dollars as long as our AGI, our adjusted gross income, is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less. But if it's one hundred and sixty thousand dollars or more, we get nothing. Is that what you just said? That's that's exactly right. And if you fall somewhere in between there, it's a proportional phase out. And it's really, really fast. So uh, a good example that uh, that I've kind of put together uh, this morning in preparation for the show is if we have a married couple with two kids, and let's say their income is $156,000, that's 60% of their way through that 150 to $160,000 phase out range, that means they lose 60% of their recovery rebate payment. So 60% of $5,600 is a $3,360 reduction. And not only on top of that, that they're paying tax on that $6,000 as well. So on that $6,000 of income, they're, it's kind of like they're paying $4,860 of taxes. That's 81%. That's a pretty high tax rate, wouldn't you say, Bruce? Yeah, that's a pretty high tax rate. That's a little high. Hmm. Right. And you're, and you're only making $156,000. You're not, you know, uh, you know, you're not making, you know, uh, you know, seven figures or anything along those lines where you'd imagine a higher or more punitive tax rate might come into play. So you've got to be cautious about what your income is. And then what, what income, what year are they using to determine this income? This is a little complicated as well. So right now, let's say you haven't filed your 2020 tax return yet. And and actually for several reasons, I kind of hope that you haven't yet because there's some things we'll talk about later on in the program that might apply to you that are good reasons to delay. If you haven't filed 2020 yet, the IRS is gonna use your 2019 tax return, your 2019 income to determine what your payment is right now. If you have filed your 2020 tax return, then they're using your 2020 tax return. So if your 2019 income was lower than $150,000 and your 2020 income was higher than $150,000, you want to delay filing your 2020 tax return so that the IRS uses your 2019 income. Now let's take the reverse of that situation and say your 2019, you know, your uh, 2019, 2019 income was higher than $150,000 and your 2020 income is lower than $150,000. You want to get your 2020 tax return filed with the IRS so that way they look at your 2020 income in order to determine these payments. And now I'm going to throw another wrench in there. It's kind of like these uh, made-for-TV made commercials where they like, but wait, there's more to the offer. You know, there's another, <laughs> there's another twist to this whole thing. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, pitching sham wows or anything like that. You know, but it's, uh, but there's a in in 2021. Let's say that your income was too high to qualify in 2019 or 2020. Now you're going to get another shot at it in 2021. And by the way, if you didn't get the first two payments in 2020 and your income went down from 2019 to 2020, you actually get another shot at the 2020, the, the, the payments, the first two rounds of payments as well, too. But this new payment, uh, if let's say that uh, your income goes down in 2021, then 
you you could actually get this recovery payment when you file your 2021 taxes. And this is where the value of planning, the value of a financial advisor really comes into play because we want to work with our clients this year. If you didn't qualify for a payment last year, we want to look at different strategies to use to help reduce your income, like putting money into a 401k plan. If you increase your 401k contributions through work, that helps reduce your adjusted growth income. Putting money into an HSA. How about other, we have other clients that are looking at strategies like Roth IRA conversions. Well, that adds to your adjusted gross income. This may be a year that you don't want more income because this Roth conversion, what if that's what puts you into that phase-out range that makes your tax rate 81% on, on $6,000 of income? We don't want that to happen. You know, the, you know, I can't emphasize enough how valuable the advice that you're going to get from your financial advisor is in this area, and there's a few other things coming up. Uh, Bruce, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you made that point because the reason we're doing this show is not just because this is a, you know, this is a big, uh, t- uh, a big stimulus and it impacts almost everybody, but then understanding how to utilize this information to maximize the benefit for you is something that most people are not ever going to be able to figure out for themselves, even if they listen to this entire radio show. And it is, again, you know, we talk a lot on this show, but I don't think we can ever do it too much about the value of comprehensive financial planning. I think most people think of, when they think of someone like us, Ryan, they think of investment advice or investment management. And, yes, that's part of it, but that's just one small piece of the puzzle. Comprehensive financial planning includes so many other things that can greatly impact your financial success in, in your life. Hey, I have a suggestion. Let's do, Rashini is telling me that we're already getting bombarded with text. So I know we've got more stuff to go through, but I'm going to guess that in answering some of these questions, we might get to the information that we wanted to get to anyway. So let's get listeners involved. And then in the second half, if there's some really key things we didn't get to yet that we think we should, we can lead with that in the second half of the show. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's go for it. All right, right, Ryan and Bruce, kind of connected to what you're talking about with financial advice. This listener says, where can one find an independent publication comparing financial firms' performance, understanding it is based on risk thresholds? Um, Thanks, Rashini. You know, Ryan, I I think when someone talks about performance, there again, they are probably talking about investment performance i'm guessing and that's a really hard thing to compare because you to do it fairly you have to compare an apple to an apple and what does that mean it means the same percentage of asset classes in both portfolios in the same time horizon and by same time horizon i don't mean you know same year i mean same day because the the volatility of the market can give a totally different return if it's one day different if you're comparing it to something else. So I don't know, maybe you know, is there even a place where someone could go get that kind of information? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know of a resource just because all of the portfolios that I know independent advisors run are typically more customized. And that's why people go, you typically use an advisor is because they're trying to have a customized plan for their particular situation. I would encourage 
clients to maybe look at different benchmarks that com- you know that companies might put out. I feel I know there's right. a few investment firms that provide different benchmarks uh, that trail against large company stocks, small company stocks, or just diversified portfolios in general. Uh, and that that looks at broader market indexes and mixes of assets. Yeah, and what I tell people all the time, and this is not a direct answer to the texture, but it it adds some more context. If they want to look at our performance, and they might if they're considering engaging us, I I can give them examples of a portfolio over a timeline, and then we always compare those portfolios against a fair apples-to-apples benchmark. And what I can tell people is the the vast, vast majority of the time um, on our portfolios long-term, we do outpace our benchmark. But the other thing, and I I thought almost this is what you were going to say, Ryan, I also think there's far more valuable criteria to evaluate the financial advisor because because again like we said just a couple of minutes ago this is not just about investment management it's about comprehensive financial planning and in addition to running a portfolio what else are they going to do for you and if it's nothing you might want to find an advisor that does more things that can add value because a lot of people in our space are only asset managers and they don't do comprehensive planning and i think of all the work that we do for clients the comprehensive planning is actually the most valuable part of what we do. Rashini? All right, let's go to June, who's on the line from St. Paul. Good morning, June. Good morning. I have a question. A friend of mine, she got the $1,200 stimulus. She did not get the $600, and she don't know how to get it. Hey, June, thanks for listening, and, th- and thanks for the question. Uh, so Ryan got the got the twelve hundred, or, or, or but did not get the previous one. Right. So uh, so this is a situation where if 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 you got the twelve hundred but not the six hundred, when you're filing your twenty twenty tax return, you actually have an opportunity to claim that tax credit on your twenty twenty tax return because these payments are actually they were an advance on a twenty twenty tax credit. So the IRS set it up so that if Maybe you didn't get the 1200 one either, and if you didn't get the $600 one, you had another opportunity, opportunity to claim it on your 2020 taxes. And it's the same thing with these payments that just occurred in 2021. If you did not get your stimulus payment throughout the year, when you are filing your taxes in 2021, you need to make sure you're getting that on your taxes. Either let your preparer know if you're using preparer that it's not there, or make sure that your tax software is picking that up. So there's always there's a there's a second chance to get it still. Rashid, right. we got a couple minutes yet to get in another question. Yeah, let's try to get in a couple quick ones. This one, Ryan and Bruce, listener says unemployment is not taxable for twenty twenty. Does it need to be reported as income on tax forms? Unemployment well, credit, Ryan. Well, so this is something that actually just passed with the American Rescue Plan, and and it and it's not completely ta- uh, not taxable. What the American Rescue Plan put in place is that the first ten thousand two hundred dollars each person receives in unemployment is not taxable. You get an exclusion on your taxes for doing so. Now, the tough part with this is a lot of people have filed their tax returns already, and a lot of people got unemployment last year. And what the IRS is saying is that if you uh, already filed your taxes and you got unemployment last year, don't file amended tax returns. They're going to be issuing guidance on irs.gov, again, irs.gov, for guidance uh, explaining if you got unemployment last year and you want to take advantage of this $10,200 exclusion, what do you do? 
You know, now if you haven't filed your tax return, you can have an exclusion of up to $10,200 on your taxes for unemployment. However, your income has this adjusted gross income, like we were talking about earlier with the uh, recovery rebate checks, adjusted gross income has to be below $150,000 in order to take advantage of that. And that includes the unemployment benefits. And if you're $1 over $150,000, you don't get anything. So it's a huge it's a huge thing to make sure that you're aware of in terms of whether or not you get that $10,200 exclusion for unemployment benefits or not. One other point to make about this subject is that not states have not decided whether or not they're going to go along with this including the state that we're you know we're we're in Minnesota. Uh, each state has to decide whether or not they're going to allow this exclusion or not. So that's another reason to make sure to wait to, to file your taxes, uh, and just to make sure that you're, uh, uh, that the, the state government has a chance to update things. What's also happening right now is all the software providers are updating their forms. The IRS is updating their forms. This is the most tax law changes we've seen retroactively to a prior year, uh, in the middle of tax filing season that I can remember in my 20 year career. So, so there's lots of ins and outs there and, and uh, but it's a great exclusion. I know a lot of people are really caught off guard uh, with the having to pay taxes on the unemployment, uh, especially at a time in need. So so hopefully that hopefully it answers the question. Yeah, we have a lot of great questions coming in. People are texting in like gangbusters. You can ask your questions of Ryan and Bruce when we come back. Call us, 651-989-9226. Or, of course, you can text that same number and get your questions in. So just a quick teaser for some of these texts, uh, Bruce and Ryan. People are asking a lot of things with tax day coming up about Roths and a lot of other things connected to their taxes. So we'll get into all of that when we return. This program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL, Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. We are back on your money. Rashini Rajkumar with you as well as your host today, Bruce Helmer, and our special guest, Ryan, and uh, lots of great information. Phone and text lines are open. We have some callers waiting and lots of text. 651-989-9226. Bruce and Ryan. Hey, thanks, Rashini. And again, Ryan McCune is a vice president, financial advisor in our Mankato, Minnesota office. Uh, uh, he's a very technically technically proficient advisor, great tax guy, CPA. Hey, Ryan, as Rashini mentioned, we're getting actually bombarded with calls and texts. I want to get to as many of them as we can, but I also don't want the show to end and have you feel bad that you didn't communicate a key point that you think listeners really need to hear. So in terms of prioritization, are there one or two things that you want to make sure you cover before we go to questions? 
Well, I think that based on, we just got that great question about unemployment benefits and the exclusion for unemployment uh, uh, benefits for last year. I'm guessing if we take some of these questions, we'll probably get some of the things that we're going to cover anyways covered. So I would say let's go with listener questions. All right. Let's start with a couple texts and then we'll go to the phone lines. Some states do not tax Social Security. When will Minnesota be among them? <laughs> Ryan, you're not an elected state uh, senator or representative, are you? You don't get a vote on that. Well, uh, well, I think I'll, I'll put my. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got my uh, wall, my uh, magic eight ball that you shake up and ask, you know, <laughs> when it'll happen. You know, I'll, I'll ask that for guidance. But, but actually, Minnesota actually does have partial relief for taxable Social Security benefits in the state. If your income is below a certain threshold, there actually is an exclusion for part of your Social Security benefits. So it's not an entire exclusion like it is for some states. But just know if your income is in, I believe the phase-out starts at $75,000 of income, uh, you do get to subtract about $5,000 of your Social Security benefits on your Minnesota tax return. You know, and I just want to defend the state that I live in a little bit. We All of us that live here complain about our high tax rate or we joke about our high tax rate. And compared to other states, Minnesota is highly taxed. I'm pretty sure it's top 10. Um, but the other thing that I looked at one time, Ryan, I haven't done this real recently, but it's not too long ago. If you look at net take-home income, to the people that live, and and I know not all of our listeners, by the way, are listening in Minnesota today, so I don't mean to be too Minnesota-focused, but Wealth Enhancement Group's home office is in Minnesota. This show originates in Minnesota. Ryan and I both live in Minnesota. If you look at net take-home pay, Minnesota is also top 10. So we seem to attract uh, good jobs, uh, good good corporations, uh, highly compensated individuals, we're top 10, and we're higher than every state that we border. So you got to ask yourself, why? What's the attraction to Minnesota? Uh, South Dakota has no state income taxes. Why don't people net make more money there? And why don't all these highly compensated people and all these corporations go to South Dakota? Why Minnesota? Oh, it must be the weather. I don't think so. Uh, must, we love mosquitoes. I, I mean, I, why, why does, does that happen? And I think you have to conclude that even though we're highly taxed, those taxes provide things that are attractive to people to make them want to live here. Good hospitals, good schools, good libraries, good running trails, good uh, roads, what you know, whatever. But this does still seem to be, despite the high taxes, despite the cold winters, this still seems to be an attractive place for a lot of people to live that wouldn't have to live here. Yeah, well, and I think it's important to note that every state has their own tax gimmick, you know, little tax uh, ways that they tax you because every government, every state's offering services. They've got to pay for that somehow. Uh, maybe income taxes aren't there, but maybe there's property taxes that are higher. Maybe they charge sales tax on more things. I've had clients that are in no income tax states, but they have other taxes that these states have imposed on businesses and and franchises and things of that nature that end up even being more than the income taxes they would have paid in Minnesota. So it it, it you just got to look we got to look between the lines and really uh and look at what the situation is and yeah what what, what uh one state isn't taxing they might be making up for in another place. 
Good point. All right, let's do a quick text and then we'll go to the phone lines. This person says, can a person pick the office and individual as one's advisor if you start at Wealth Enhancement Group? That's a great question. So generally the, the way it works is if you're interested in engaging our services and you call into our call center, um, they're going to find out some information about you and they're going to try to match you up uh, based on a lot of different criteria, but probably the first of which is geographically. So if you live in northern Minnesota, they're probably going to try to send you to our Brainerd office. Or if you live in the east metro, they're probably going to try to send you to the office that we have in Woodbury. Or if you live anywhere in the Mankato area, they're going to send you to, to Ryan. Um, so it starts by geography. Um, then, it, then there may be a, a availability of the advisor. Um, you may say, I want an appointment next week and I want to meet with Peg Webb. I heard her on the radio and I really like her. And Peg doesn't have any openings on her calendar in the next week. So the, the call center person might say, do you want to uh, make that appointment with Peg, even if it has to be a month out, or do you want to get in sooner? We can set you up with another advisor. So to some extent, yes, you can request who you want, and they'll probably try to accommodate that. But they also try to be logical and, and, and they even take into account your situation and maybe try to set you with an advisor that you'd have, that would be a good synergistic fit. So if you're a young person, as an example, in your 20s, you might not want to meet a, an old duffer like me. You want to meet somebody maybe younger like Ryan is. Or uh, Ryan, would you want to add to that? Well, I think it's also important to note that whomever you meet with, we're all Bruce and I all work through the same roundtable team of specialists. I know Bruce, you and I, we work with many mutual clients. You know that's kind of part of the process. I'll work with you know Nicole on your team to coordinate some planning strategies for a few different people, and I know it's vice versa. You know the other way around. We're always sharing ideas. So even the, you know I always joke around and say if you don't meet with me, if you meet with another wealth enhancement advisor, you're going to get the same level of advice. It's just the jokes will be much worse. Especially if you meet with Bruce Helmer. Especially if you meet with Bruce. So, so, so yeah, to that, so that, to that point, I am not as technically proficient as you are. But if somebody is working with me, you'll help me if there's something I don't know that you do. Uh, and that's a great point. And that is one of the great strengths of our firm, that you are actually um, not just working with one individual like you are in most business models in our industry, in our space. At Wealth Enhancement Group, you are engaging a team, and the advisor that you're working with will use whoever they need on our team to make sure that we get you the right answer and the best advice we can. Thanks, Ryan. That's a good point. All right. Fred is on the line from Golden Valley. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. My question. Hey, Fred. Hi. It's nice of you to be there. My question is my uh, Medicare premiums are deducted from my Social Security payments, how much money can I earn before those Medicare premiums are higher than they are at the lowest level? Thank you, Fred. Thanks for listening, and thanks for asking a really good question. And uh, this one is going to get tricky. Yeah, so so Medicare premiums that are deducted, this is Part B and and, uh, sometimes Part D of your Medicare premiums, are deducted from your Social Security check, they are a certain level if your income stays below a certain point. Adjusted gross income, you've heard us use that term a lot 
this time around. And and what happens is when your adjusted gross income goes up too much, and sometimes it's just for one year, then your then your premiums go up two years after the fact. So like if uh, you know like this year in 2021, if your 2019 income, if you were single, was over $88,000, your Medicare premium jumped up by about $70 a month uh, in, in, instead of just uh, paying the normal amount. You're getting an income surcharge for that. If you're married, that level is over $176,000. And they've got several different thresholds that if you hop over, then your premiums keep jumping up. And this is a scenario that we like to call a cliff in that if you're $1 over that, that threshold, your premiums go up. So if you're single and, you're, and your adjusted gross income is $88,001, dollar more than the $88,000 threshold, then you, your Medicare premiums go up by 70 bucks a month. $1 of income incur, making $70 more a month in cost. That is not a good trade-off. So, so you have to be very cautious about your income. and. Just know that it is a one-year adjustment. I've had clients where they might sell a business, they might sell uh, a piece of real estate or something, just a one-time event, maybe get an inheritance that they have to pay tax on. Their income goes up for one year. And so like, if, if your income goes up this year in 2021, goes beyond those thresholds, then your 2023 Medicare premiums will be higher. But then they're only going to be higher for 20, 2023 if your 2022 income goes back below those thresholds. So that's another key point that I know we always look at when we're doing financial plans. It's not just what taxable income is. This is gross income. This is before all your deductions to be aware of, to make sure that you're not getting that $1 of income is not triggering $70 a month more in expenses. That is not a good deal. Wow, Ryan, it is complicated. I can see why people would need a financial advisor to get through all that. I want, I want to add a little bit to that, Rashidi, and, and thanks, uh, Ryan, and thanks, Fred, and Fred and listeners. To add to Ryan's point, and, and again, Ryan, I had this happen in the last week. You can't even make this stuff up. I had a client or have a client, but the client was thinking they should do Roth conversion this year because for the, their income was way down after they retired. We'd been talking about when we get to 2021, we'll look at Roth conversion again. And from an income tax standpoint, to do a small conversion might have made sense. But we realized they're a married couple filing jointly. If we did the conversion, it was going to push them over the 176 to kick up the Medicare Part B premiums two years down the road. And that made the conversion not make sense. And this is what we talk about or, or what we're referring to when we talk about ripple effects on the taxes. It's not just the taxes you pay. But does it impact the taxes you pay on Social Security or your Medicare premiums? And, and Fred and listeners, we don't have time to go through all of them, but, but there's like six different income categories and six different Medicare Part B premiums, the highest of which it goes up as high as like 582 bucks. So being smart about this in the planning process and keeping your Medicare Part B premium low is a big deal to get this right. All right, Tom is holding from Maple Grove. Good morning, Tom. Yeah, good morning. I have a question on required minimum distributions. And uh, example is in 2019, a person is required to take a required RMD, required minimum uh, distribution, but he doesn't take it until January of 2020. 
which is fine. You pay your taxes. You get your your distribution. In 2020, before the CARES Act was passed, the individual at the same time takes his 2020 RMD. So when he gets a 1099 from the custodian, it only shows an aggregate amount. It shows a total RMD for 2019 and 2020. How does the IRS know that the person uh, made the required one in 2019 and is legal, paid his taxes, and also for 2020? Thanks, Tom. Thanks for the question. And I'm guessing, Ryan, Tom is pretty proficient. He throws around some uh, terms that are unique to our industry in a very comfortable manner. So this is a pretty savvy guy. This is a good question. Yeah, and so when Tom's referring to RMDs, that means required minimum distributions. And this is from tax-deferred retirement accounts like IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, simple IRAs, SEP IRAs. There's a whole alphabet soup of retirement accounts that these required minimum distributions apply. So so Tom was saying, you know, he had a required distribution in 2019, and he didn't take it until January of 2020. Now, this can be a problem unless it's your first year that you have to take required distributions, and that year is the year you turn 72. And this is actually a brand-new thing that was passed by the SECURE Act. We've had all sorts of tax law changes with the CARES Act, American, Res- you know, Re- American Rescue Plan, so forth. The CARES Act passed at the end of 2018, and it made the required minimum distribution age age 72. Now, the first year you turn 72, you actually have until April 1st of the following year to take your first required distribution. So, so that was, uh, and, but then that counts for your 2019 distribution in terms of Tom's case. Um, or if, let's say, that you were 72 last year, you have until April 1st of this year to take your first required distribution. So that's what Tom did. He took his 29 distribution in January of 2020. But now you have to take your next year's distribution. So Tom had to take his 2020 distribution. Just like if you need to take your distribution now before April 1st, you have to take another one for 2020. But actually... Thinking about that, there was no required distribution for 2020, so you kind of got out of that one. So, but in theory, that my example works. Uh, so, uh, two, lots of tax changes. But uh, so Tom is wondering, both of these required distributions got put on one 1099R form, which is the form that you get when you take a distribution from a retirement account. It's like a W-2 for your retirement account distributions. That's the form that you get. And they put both of them on the same year. And, and Tom's wondering, how does the IRS know did I satisfy that? Well, the thing is, it's up to the taxpayer to determine that. The IRS, the, uh, the IRS doesn't know how much is for, you know, it's for this year or that year. What they're going to do is if they ever audit Tom, is that they're going to say, hey, you took this much out of the IRA, and what was your required distribution, and let's, let's dive back into these things. And additionally, the IRS also send, has IRA custodians send out something called a 5498 form that is, comes out in May of every year, and that reports the value of the, of the retirement account to the IRS. So the IRS takes that data, and they match it up with what's on these 1099R forms, to make sure that you're taking the right amount out. So long story, you know, a little bit of a long-winded, but I thought of background and required distributions, 
would be helpful. And also to make sure that we're addressing Tom's question. This is a really good one. Tom, you get a gold star for your question. All right, Bruce Ryan, and really Ryan, we, we, yeah, we have just about four minutes left, so I want to remind our caller who we're going to go to, to keep her question short, we have plenty of texts also. Susan is calling from Eden Prairie. Good morning. Hi. Um, I am 61, and because I'm on Social Security Disability, I qualify for uh, Medicare. And instead of the supplement that you were talking about, um, that I believe you said is deductible, I qualified and took the Medigap coverage. It happens to be through Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And that one is not able to be automatically, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not able to automatically be uh, taken, directed out, out of my uh, Social Security check. So is my Medigap, and it's a pretty high premium, it's like $250 for me right now a month, um, is that deductible? Yeah, so a Medicare supplements are deductible on your tax return if you itemize. So this is on Schedule A of your tax return. And so uh, one threshold you have to hit is in order for this to have an impact on your taxes, your total medical expenses have to be above 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. And on top of that, your total itemized deductions after that threshold, they have to hit. Uh, and so this is your state income taxes, property taxes, mortgage interest charitable deductions, they have to exceed the standard deduction, which if you're single, that is $12,550 for 2021, and it's 25100 if you're joint, and there's variations in between depending on filing status. You have to hit that threshold as well, too. So, yes, they're deductible. Medicare supplement premiums are deductible, as are Medicare Part B and Part D that are subtracted from your Social Security check. It's just there are several hoops you've got to jump through before they start making a benefit on your tax return. Ryan and Bruce, here's a text that I think a lot of people can relate to. There are a lot of people that will never have $100,000 in assets by the time they retire. Talking about this raises anxiety and depression. What is your best recommendation for someone who has four years left to work and under 50000 in investments? Well, unfortunately, Rasheen, the, the texture um, really hits on, a, on an important point. There's been all kinds of, of surveys and research done about um, Americans and their lack of proper saving for, for retirement. I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, it's never too late. Sometimes people think, well, it's too late for me. It, it, you know, sooner is better than later, but I would never just throw in the towel and say, there's nothing I can do. That's why they built in laws, uh, the so-called catch-up provisions, that when you hate, hit the age of 50, you can contribute more to an IRA or more to your company retirement plan to try to make up for those lost years. And the other reality, and I want, want to let Ryan jump in also, the other reality is is maybe you won't be able to retire when you thought you'd be able to retire. You may have to work a little bit longer than you had planned to. Ryan? Well, well, and I think the other thing to think about, too, is what are your expenses? You know, I have, you know, you have to take a, you know, not, not look at how much assets you have, but perhaps you don't. And I know, I know it's kind of, you know, you think about a typical lifestyle, how far can that money go? Well, a lot of people are really good at stretching every dollar they have. So it's not just about how many assets you have. It's also looking at your expenses and making sure your your expenses are, are as reasonable as possible because 
yes, you, it's not too late to start saving, but you don't need to have as much in savings if you don't have as many expenses. So clean up if you've got credit card debt. Look at cleaning that up. Look at outstanding liabilities. Making sure that you're being as efficient as you can with the expense line because that's something else you can control. That's a great right. point, Ryan. Rashimi, I know we're up against the clock. We are. We are. Lots of great questions, great information from Ryan and Bruce today. If you didn't get your question answered, you can always email the team at yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. You can also leave a question at 888-6-ADVICE. We wish you a fabulous week. Ryan, great job. I learned so much, and it's such an important time as we head into tax day, even with the extension. All right, Rashini Rajkumar and Bruce Helmer signing out on this edition of Your Money. We'll catch you next week. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830-WCCO or Intercom Communications. Hear how the best minds in business really work with the Boardroom Out of Office podcast. Hosted by Rich Kleiman, Kevin Durant's 35 Ventures business partner. Industry leaders talk about who they are, how they got here, and things they learned along the way you might not expect. Listen on Radio.com and Apple Podcasts.